Whether it's running, hiking, biking, golfing, or even working, Curex insoles can help your patients live healthy and active lifestyles. Using the latest medical and biomechanics research, Curex insoles are engineered for unequaled comfort, performance, and injury prevention. With its patented dynamic arch technology that enables the ideal ratio of flexibility and rigidity, Curex insoles properly support the foot and its natural movement for ideal knee and hip alignment. And because no two patients are alike, Curex offers a full line of highly customised insoles available in high, medium and low arch profiles. Learn more about the science behind Curex and sign up for a free sample at medical.curex.us. That's medical.currex.us. Hello and welcome to JOSPT Insights, the podcast that aims to help you translate quality research to quality practice. I'm Claire Ardern, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Orthopaedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's great to have you listening today. Today on JOSPT Insights, we are sitting down with Dr. Carol Mack to learn more about what it means to exist within the sports performance physical therapy space. What does that life look like as a PT? Can it exist both within and separate from the strength and conditioning space? And for our U.S. listeners, do you need to be cash-based to use this model, or can it work within our insurance-based system? Dr. Carol Mack is the owner of CLE Sports PT and Performance in Cleveland, Ohio, specializing in end-stage rehab and performance training for soccer players, runners, crossfitters, and female athletes. She is also coordinator of sports medicine and performance for a local high school and adjunct faculty at John Carroll and Franklin Pierce Universities. My name is Dan Chapman. I'm a U.S.-based physical therapist and owner of Chapman PT in Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm Chelsea Kuman, a physical therapist and athletic trainer at Stanford University Athletics. Carol, thank you so much for joining us today on JOSPT Insights. We are so honored to have you with us. I appreciate you guys inviting me. I've been a big fan of this podcast from the get-go. You own your own super successful business in Cleveland. You have your finger on the pulse of the AASPT, the American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy. So we wanted to ask you some, some kind of big picture questions today, questions about physical therapy and specifically sports physical therapy. Like one of the big things in sports PT right now is kind of the the world of sports performance and sports rehab overlapping. And so there's a lot of PTs that are branching out into this world of performance. And it sounds like a great idea, like being able to provide your patient with with everything that they need that they need in one in one place. But I feel like it has flaws in reality. So maybe, you know, stepping on some strength and conditioning coaches' toes is sometimes a problem. Maybe providing less than optimal care on either end of that spectrum, either on the rehab side, because that's not necessarily where you're focusing, or maybe on the you know, the performance side, because that's not necessarily where all your expertise is. There's a return to sport piece, and then there's a return to sport testing. And a lot of that involves that performance piece. So there's, you know, there's the clinical testing that you can do. There's the strength testing, all the things that we know as PTs, but then there's that performance piece. So it's, you know, can they pass the criteria, but also do they have the fitness base? Do they have the more so than let's say you had an ACL surgery and you've got, you know, there's strength, there's quad tests and whatever that, you know, entails, but do they have the strength generally like lower body strength to return to their sport? Are they at that pre-injury level of performance? And so it's that kind of, I think PT's understanding that we need to get them through that whole return to sport phase and then that return to performance phase. 
So I think it's kind of started from that. And I think a lot of us too have background. I think even both of you just seen with credentials and background in, you know, strength and conditioning and sport performance. I know it's always been an interest of mine. When I was in PT school, I was interning, I spent the summer taking classes for PT school, but then also interning in the, the weight room at, at my college. So I think, you know, for a lot of us, that, that blend has kind of become natural. With, you know, what are the boundaries of PT versus other professionals? I think a lot of that comes from collaboration. Mm. And so just understanding that it is a collaboration. And as sports performance staffs expand with teams, with colleges, with professional teams, even down to, you know, high schools, you're seeing them adding more and more staff. There's more room for that collaboration, which I think is nice versus like the, this is my role, this is your role. And I think if you step into it from that, like I'm going to learn from you, I think, mm. it, you know, kind of checking the ego and, and recognizing, I mean, I know that I can't do it all. I, don't, I have certain strengths that I have, but then somebody else may have other strengths and just trying to collaborate on, you know, it's, it's the athlete or it's the team at the end of the day. And so what can we all do in a good way? I think we're having a lot more of those conversations versus like, I'm the PT and I do this and you're the strength coach and that's your job. And it's been, it's been kind of refreshing to see. So you're overall pretty encouraged by the, just like the collaborative side of it. Yes, I am. And I, I, because I think something else that's involved evolving is, you know, teams have specific needs. Mm. So it's more like even from a, from a performance perspective, things that I do could range anywhere from, you know, right now I'm working with a basketball coach to map out our whole preseason, whether it's both conditioning and weight room stuff, or it's a, you know, a quick load management issue with a soccer team, or it's a quick, you know, check on weightlifting form for somebody who's having back pain. I think when we talk about like the performance realm, it can encompass a lot of different things. Just like in a PT, you know, mm. one day we could be seeing somebody with a concussion. The next day we'll be seeing somebody with ACL. Like you have to wear a lot of hats in the performance realm. I think there's that too. And it can, it can kind of range. I mean, maybe if your job is with a team, you know, you're going to be all encompassed with that team's needs. But if you're kind of like, I'm working in a bunch of different aspects of people. So it changes every day. And so I think a lot of that kind of collaboration is driven by like whatever the team needs or whatever the coach, you know, you have a season where you've got a ton of injuries and then the coaching staff or the front offices men decided we need to do something about that. Then that role is going to be different. Maybe it's not just weight room time. Maybe it's a load management or maybe it's looking into why did all those injuries happen? And I think PTs are definitely equipped to do all of those roles. What do you think about for people, I feel like a, a lot of the times it's like this eagerness in a lot of younger clinicians to like be able to do it all. Maybe they, right, they were in college, they were an athlete or, um, you know, they're just super passionate about that side of things. And they're getting out of PT school and they want to like right away from the get-go, go for that like performance side as well. I guess, do you have any insight recommendations for those eager clinicians that want to take this on. They want to do a good job. They don't want to like let go of the rehab. They don't want to let go of the performance. They want to do a good, good job serving their patients with both. What kind of insight and, and recommendations do you have for those eager young clinicians? I think there's a balance between wanting to learn and, and recognizing that there's still some to learn. And then there's, there's a balance between that and then being really honest with your strengths and weaknesses. I was like that too. And I'm, I'm still, there's times where even if I don't know something, I'm going to go, you know, try to learn a little bit more about it. But I think it's that honest kind of tune in with yourself of like, okay, there is somebody else in the room that is better at this. So I still want to learn about it, but I'm going to call them and get their advice. So maybe next time I, I will learn and then I can, you know, pick up that skill because I got it from a really nice source. But then professionally, you're building your network. You're not 
stepping on toes that way. So there's that kind of professional side of it, but then there's also that learning side of recognizing that I may know a little bit about a lot of things, but there's somebody who's an expert here right now. And maybe they're the best equipped in this situation to deal with lifting technique or, um, you know, agility training, or maybe like, I think I know dynamic warmups or something like that, and, but they got a lot of great tips and they're going to add some other elements in that I had thought of. Carol, can you, can you talk to us a little bit about how kind of you collaborate in, in your clinic with other non-PT providers, whether it be strength and conditioning coaches or ATs or, or personal trainers or whomever that kind of highlight that collaborative spirit that you're talking about? Right when I started kind of branching out, when I started building my own practice, I, I went on like a, I'm still like a networking tour. I've got like, I called any, you know, any strength conditioning coach that was in the area. I was looking on LinkedIn to have conversations and just meeting them and, and, you know, questions anywhere from like, how do you set up your weight room to how do you structure your workouts to the injury piece of it? And I really just wanted to learn from as many people as possible. And what that collaboration looks like now is anywhere from like whoever else that athletes involved. And so for example, today I had someone come in who is a collegiate athlete who had a surgery and I'm trying to figure out when he can get into the weight room and do some lifting. He had an elbow surgery. So it's not anything lower extremity, but like what kinds of lifts, you know, what kinds of squats would he be safe with a, a safety bar squat where he's not having to put a ton of pressure on his elbow. So I had a PT session with him that was more related to kind of what performance things can we get him into? And then was able to make a phone call to the sports performance coach at that college because his thought was, I'm going to defer to you. I don't really want, you know, that athlete until I get the okay from you. Yeah, I'm not going to throw him in any lifting. So we've had a nice kind of relationship that way where I'm saying, I think he's okay. I don't know that I want to load him up with a ton of weights right now on squats, but I think he's, you know, safe, at least stabilizing the bar with his other arm. And we're at, you know, a point outside of surgery that that that's safe. Maybe let's do higher reps, like eight sets of, you know, eight to 10. And, and what do you think about that? So it's anywhere from like that kind of collaboration where he's going to, you know, I'll check in with him in a couple of days and see if he's noticing anything else in the weight room, because that helps me with my clinical management of him. But then we can kind of team up on the performance end. You know, sometimes it's managing the whole kind of performance aspect of their strength and conditioning over the summer, and then reporting back to whatever head coach, not even medical or performance staff, but whatever head coach that they're going to be training with in preseason or that kind of thing. So it sounds like surrounding yourself with a lot of really smart people and then trusting that they are like, are going to be able to work well with you and being honest about where you're at. And the more you can do that, the more you can all can kind of be honest with each other, the better off we're going to be. Because a lot of people, most professionals want to learn and they want to get better and, and they're there for the athlete in the long run. So a lot of times that ends up being kind of the shared, the shared goal. And I think everyone realizes that they can't do it all. I think we all know that we can't wear all the hats. I think I used to be scared to ask for help, but now it's, it's great. It's a learning experience. Well, let's, let's talk to our, our U.S.-based listeners here specifically. Is it incompatible to be a sports performance-based physical therapist just like yourself within our current insurance-based system? Do you need to be a cash PT in order to do it? I think you can do it either way. I operate as a, as an out-of-network provider because I just, it's, it's just me and my practice and I just didn't, you know, have the staff or the extra, I didn't want to have to deal with the, the uncertainty of, you know, is, is insurance going to pay for this or not? I do know quite a few people that operate in either a hybrid model, you know, sometimes it's a matter of you have to stretch the visit. So you're calling that schools or that team, whoever it is, strength, their performance coach, and you're doing commit teaming up that way and you're maybe checking in with somebody every every couple of weeks. Sometimes maybe it's a hybrid model where you 
are doing cash services just from the performance aspect of it, or sometimes it's a, you know, maybe they do have the insurance visits. And, and I think sometimes too, I think if somebody's not back to their full performance, I mean, I, I'm not an insurance company, but I personally think that they, those are services that are, are necessary for their, you know, you're not getting them back to their, their, their full function or their full performance. I haven't had to write a note in about eight years that, you know, had to just my deny, but I mean, in my head, I can understand like this person is not, they are not able to run yet. They are not able to sprint yet. They're at high risk of, you know, re-tearing or having a second ACL tear, re-aggravating a hamstring injury or that kind of thing. So, I, I mean, again, yes, that's, that's an insurance issue that in an ideal world, we wouldn't have that. But at the same time, I think, I, I don't think you have to be cash-based just to, to offer performance services. So you haven't worked in the insurance-based model for a while, but did you have to, did you find yourself changing the way that you, maybe, you know, we, we can label things a little creatively, something like that. But like, did you actually change the way that you were functioning as a physical therapist when you transitioned from insurance-based to cash-based? To be honest, not a ton. It just kind of made life easier knowing that I didn't have to have the extra documentation or that kind of thing. I, now, when I was in the clinic, I was working at a hospital, I was working for Cleveland Clinic. Um, we had patients every 45 minutes and they were one-on-one, which is great. I see my patients for an hour. Occasionally, if, if there's a follow-up that doesn't need that full time, I, yeah, I just do a half hour. But other than like, it was just nice to have the extra 15 minutes. It's just nice to have that time and that that one-on-one. I would say I do a lot more um, checking in with people like between sessions because when it is cash-based they're not coming in as, as often a week it depends some some people i will see that often some people will just to stretch their dollar a little more will want to come in like every other week or every third week or that kind of thing so i do a lot more kind of online checking in with them and programming so i will set them up with performance program or rehab you know kind of a blend of the two depending on the situation for two weeks or three weeks or that kind of thing and i'll be following up with them that way knowing that that you're going to take that time later in that week, you can kind of build that into your model. So that's not just you giving away your time. It's, it's kind of built into your, what your rates are. Exactly. Exactly. When I, yeah. And that's it's, uh, the conversation I'll say to them, you know, it's, here's a flat rate, but at the same time, you're not going to be paying that. You're paying that when, when you need to be paying that. I understand if you can't pay that every week or multiple times a week or that kind of thing. And, and know that I'm going to check in with you. I'm not just leaving you high and dry for a couple of weeks. Like you're going to have, full programming and, and in rehab days, recovery days, that kind of thing. I'll, I'll be pretty upfront with them too. Like I will check in with you. Like there were people from last week that I said, you know, I will check in with you after the holiday weekend. So my Tuesday check-ins with all those people today, you know, seeing how somebody's training for a marathon, how their long run go, somebody, you know, has a foot injury and what's the status of that? Do we need to bring you back this week? That kind of thing. So it sounds like one of the nice things about your system is about, about being a cash physical therapist is it allows you a little bit more flexibility than the insurance-based system. So how do you set up your rates? How do you kind of flex with your patients and think about, okay, how do I provide the service that I want to provide? How do I put what is a fair and reasonable price to it? How do you kind of break that down for your patients? People that would be coming in maybe a little bit more often, I do offer up, there's a package, like a four package session. So there is a little bit off that because I may be seeing them for that time, but then that's the extra check-in time. Like I'm kind of factoring it in that way. Like, yes, it's one-on-one me in front of them, but I'm not the 15 minutes of me doing the check-in is factored in that way. The other thing I do is I do inter and it's, this is just performance training. This is not like rehab related, but I do a program for runners and for some other athletes that is just an online program. 
So that's a different rate where they're not getting, they're getting up like a 15 minute call once a month. That is a different rate because it's not one-on-one. It's not P it's, it's not related to an injury. It's just, you know, I want to do strength training, can't physically drive in or I don't have time or whatever it is I want. I want more like just online programming. So you, I mean, you're very much in both worlds, it seems like, and you feel like you're able to provide that awesome care. You're a great resource for people then. So you are the chair for the educational programming of the AASPT. So what kinds of things, besides just like you yourself being a great resource, what kinds of things does the AASPT offer as resources for people who are interested in either of these things, trying to like maximize their both rehab and performance side of their sports PT practice, but then also maybe some like practice side of things if they're considering, if they're working in an insurance-based system or trying to get into a cash-based or, you know, trying to maximize their cash-based. The special interest groups that the Academy has are, are a great resource. And there's the sports performance SIG is phenomenal. The amount of content that they put out, it's great. The people that are in there are very very collegial and willing to talk to you if you have any questions. So from a side of like, how do I implement some of these things in my practice? There are people that you can, you can speak to either at you can walk up to them at a national conference, you can message them, you can email them. There's casual chats that they have. There's different events that they have pretty regularly throughout the year that you can, you know, jump on a zoom call and ask people for advice that way, because everybody kind of runs their, I'm finding that everybody kind of runs their business a little bit differently, which I think is a great thing because I think it, one, it's, it's great for all of us to kind of have different, ways of, you know, what works, what doesn't for you individually. But then I know there's certain something may be in, in this area or this state or whatever. There's a lot of differences. In terms of sports performance resources, they are they're excellent. They're, they're on social media or they're on um, if you are an academy member, there's the mobilize app. Yeah, there's a lot of content on that mobilize. They have they host a lot of different things, which is super cool. So whether you want to be interactive or just listen or read something or listen to something, I feel like there's there's a lot of good stuff and a lot of good people on there. I'm so impressed with how the quality and then the amount of the content that they put out, Scott and Quinn and the rest of the people in that group. Like I I don't know how they because I know they're all busy individuals anyway. They all do a lot of their clinical side is is pretty involved. So it's quite impressive to me what they what they can do extra. Before we wrap up, what kind of takeaway advice and tips do you have for providers that want to that are thinking about moving into this space, this either whether it be cash based or not, but this more sports performance space? What advice would you give them? Reaching out to as many different strength coaches, sports performance, sports scientists as possible, I think really helps. I think I think it's easy for us just to, you know, in PT world, like we can go to a conference or we can join this professional organization or that kind of thing. And, at least for me, I think it was so much more accessible to just talk to other PTs where, you know, it's a little bit of an extra step to reach out to some other people in sports performance, but I feel like I've learned so much from them and I've quite enjoyed collaborations and just seeing things through, like I can, I can look at things, even if it's a sports performance issue, I can look at it kind of through a rehab lens, just because that's, I spent a lot of years in my schooling, but I love how they will look at it from their own experiences. And so I, I would encourage as much as you can do interdisciplinary, the better off, better off your clinical practice will be, but then you know, just the better off in, in terms of being collegial with other people. I mean, that's fantastic advice. Carol, thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful. Yeah, we really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. One last time, we want to thank Dr. Carol Mack for coming onto the show and sharing with us and all of you her experience as well as her knowledge and her advice. And as always, we want to thank you for listening to Joe's PT Insights. Thank you.
listening to this episode of JOSPT Insights. For more discussion of the issues in musculoskeletal rehabilitation that are relevant to your practice, subscribe to JOSPT Insights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, or your favourite podcast app. If you like JOSPT Insights, help others find us. Tell your friends and colleagues and rate and review us. To keep up to date with all the latest JOSPT content, be sure to follow us on Twitter, we're at JOSPT, and Facebook, we're JOSPT Official. Talk with you next time. Bye.